I fear the wounds are fatal. Prime, you can't die! Do not grieve. Soon, I shall be one with the Matrix. Prime? Uh, uh, Ultra Magnus, it is to you, old friend. I shall pass the Matrix of Leadership as it was passed to me. But Prime, I'm, I'm just a soldier. I, I'm not worthy. Nor was I. But one day, an Autobot shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the Matrix to light our darkest hour. Until that day, till all are one. Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. I'm Red. And this week we discuss a 90-minute toy commercial that included A-list <laughs> actors like Orson Welles, Leonard Nimoy, and Judd Nelson. It's toy 1986's commercial. The Transformers The Movie. Yeah. <laughs> but first, we're going to do some news. What do you got this week? Well, I was uh, looking up some stuff regarding uh, Star Trek Axanar the other day. Okay. And it turns out they got their lawsuit settled in 2017. Uh-huh. And they have relocated from California to Atlanta, Georgia, just outside of town. And they got uh, about, oh, I think the guy that's doing this said he got something like 30 volunteers, three 53-foot box trailers. Full of stuff, all unloaded in about a day and a half. Sets reassembled, and they uh, were able to, they're going to make two 15-minute episodes, four and five. Apparently, Prelude to Axanar is considered episode three. And four and five are going to be the actual battle uh, of Axanar. Obviously, it's going to be abbreviated because this was going to be a feature-length motion picture. Right. But um, he said the reason they were able to uh, go ahead and continue making the film was because the judge ruled. uh, He did not rule on the ruling that the original judgment uh, made was on content, not on trademark or something like that. Okay. Basically, he, he, he screwed up in procedural, whatever. So they uh, instantly, he said, that opened up for me and my attorney's uh, chance to go to the Ninth Circuit. And just before the two years were up, um, 
CBS approached them and said, hey, let's settle this. We don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, spend several more millions of dollars on uh, suing you, the fans, essentially, during the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Right. And um, basically said he can do the go-ahead so long as he kept it to 15 minutes an episode. Yeah, so I think it was through that settlement um, that they came up with their rules for uh, fan fiction. So there, I think the I think the videos that fans create can't be longer than fifteen minutes. Uh, they can't use established characters. Although I think Anaxar uh, is exactly Axanar is going to. Yeah, uh, I think Axanar is part of that settlement. Is able to actually use established characters, but they have uh, guidelines on on what they right. can do. Well, I mean, Garth is an established character. Uh, um. Oh, I can't think of the name. Uh, Saval, I believe, is the Vulcan ambassador. Yeah, he's I remember, an established character. I remember reading about the the, the settlement and the just massive restrictions that Paramount put on on fan fiction, and it didn't it it confused me because most, if not you know the if not all the fan fiction out there is not trying to commercialize or make money off of no, off of they're just properties. wanting to continue on that timeline with those characters and move forward. Right. And so it it seemed weird to me that Paramount was basically uh treating their fans, you know, their their like most shit. their most rabid, yeah, evangelists like uh pirates and and thieves. So it was it was and odd. And from what I've been reading, um, there's several thousand Star Trek fans. Some of them have rather, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a few of them that are of, of strong financial liquidity, mm-hmm. that, uh, if not influence, who have all basically said that the Axonar, just the prelude to Axonar in and of itself, is superior to Star Trek Discovery. And if anything, they would have thought there'd have been a nice big cash payout or some kind of uh, deal to bring uh, Axanar's people in over for the new Star Trek. But uh, for some well, reason, everybody seems to be into this alternate timeline business. Yeah. So the Kelvin timeline, I'm not a big fan of that to begin with. But I think there was some, I think there was some shady shit that happened over at Axanar as well. Um, I, I can't. Well, Axanar the- didn't say anything about shady stuff. Well, no, I think the I think the people that kind of put that together, or maybe one or two of the actors that put a, or the people that put together Axanar, were kind of doing some some shady shit uh, with. Some well, wouldn't the they admit to that? that huh? They, you mean they wouldn't admit to doing that? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there could actually be fault on both sides. There might be. There might be. Oh yeah. goodness. Well, it's been my personal experience. A lot. I mean, most of the fan fiction's pretty bad. <laughs> but you know, hey, kudos to them. They got they got a bigger sp- spinal column than I got. You know, being able to get up in horrible costumes and bad makeup. Right. And, right. But uh, there's been there's been two uh, that I really like. I liked Axanar and. Uh, Star Trek The Voyage Continues picks up the last two years that you never got to see from the original series. And both are very well done. Cool. Very, very well done. Very cool. um, so I'm, I'm eager. I'm eager. I'm looking forward to seeing the Axanar. Uh, it's probably going to be 
one of those things kind of like Axonar was when I first saw the prelude that, man, I, I, I wish this was a full movie. It felt like just a long, uh, a long trailer. trailer. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a feeling that's what this is going to be as well. However, we're going to be getting something. So that's my news. Okay. And uh, I, I'm I'm eager to see it. Uh, they're 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 talking uh, release for episode three and four will be in 2019. Cool. So my first news item is about uh, a Netflix series. Well, it's it's an episode of the series, I think. Although they say it's a full feature length type episode, so I guess it's around two hours. But it's called Black Mirror Bandersnatch. So. Uh, from what I gather from the trailer, and the trailer is out there, and we'll have a link to the article that I gleaned this from. Um, the trailer is about um, a guy who's writing for a video game uh, based off of a novel, and this novel has apparently driven its author insane and is slowly driving the the video game writer insane as well. Or well, hell, I don't want to watch that. Why? Make me crazy. <laughs> it looks very trippy. Uh, it's got a very English punk vibe because I think it takes place in the in the eighties. Um, the The video game is like a, a PC adventure game that was yeah. really popular back then. Uh, and the soundtrack on the trailer is uh, "Relaxed" by uh, Frankie Does Hollywood. So that was that was goes to cool. Hollywood. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah, I'm sure he did some some stuff in Hollywood. I'm sure they did too. So. It's it's got a very uh, it's got a very interesting look. Uh, the the plot looks actually pretty good, and maybe if I ever renew my uh, Netflix membership again for streaming, I'll uh, pick it up. I like having Netflix. I mean, I usually end up watching a lot of stuff over and over again, but it's things I like. Yeah, I just I I got to where I wasn't watching it very much. I would go, you know a month or two without streaming anything and, off of Netflix. And so I was just, I didn't want to waste the money anymore. I'll, uh, I'll probably waste. pick up Netflix. Well, what I'll probably do is pick up a subscription for two or three months, you know, binge watch on everything that I'm interested in and then drop it again. So, well, and I gotta, I gotta throw this out. This, I, I don't know that you would call it science fiction. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, I I was biting at the bit, wanting to. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to just do it. it. I'm just going to do it. Um, you were talking about wanting to get your uh, uh, Netflix back. I've been considering getting my Amazon Prime back. Oh yeah, for the sole purpose of Good Omens. Good Omens. Yes, I am so looking forward to that. And no, Sixth it's not part. necessarily. Now I don't know if we can call this science fiction because it's you know more faith. It's, it's not science fiction. It's definitely fantasy. But, but it's oh science my fiction god, did I love that book? Oh yeah, Neil Gaiman is excellent. Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett wrote that book, and it is such a great book. I love that book. I read it like two or three times. It's just it's full of cheeky comedy. Uh, oh my heavens! There's an actual trailer. Oh yeah, there's a couple of them. I haven't seen the trailer. Oh, it looks great. The actors they played for Azriel and uh, Crowley—they look absolutely great. Oh yeah, I'm watching it now. Oh my god, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's excellent. I'm really. It really does look it. like how I envisioned it. Yeah. 
they did it. Well, I mean, Neil Gaiman is is helping with it, so I think he's producing it. And I think so. Neil Gaiman, I I don't think ever intended to create a, a serial out of no. this book. But when Terry Pratchett died, one of the things that he uh, kind of left behind, I guess, in his will or his instructions, was to tell Terry Pratchett to, or not Terry Pratchett, but Neil Gaiman to to do it. Yeah, that's cool. But it's just, I have always been such a fan of British humor, the the, the dry, uh, the, the dark comedy. And it is, oh, I am just, I am a Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, so. But apparently, um, it's supposed to be six episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a six-episode miniseries, I think. Probably an hour, hour and a half each episode. But this says season one trailer, so apparently there's going to be seasons. I I don't know. I haven't I haven't read anything beyond you know first season, but possibly. I mean, if it's popular enough, they may extend it. Oh, I hope they don't screw it up. I don't think they will. I'm sure the first I'm sure the first six will be great, but if they try and extend it like they did with Babylon Five going into Babylon Five Crusade. <laughs> that that had such potential, and boy, did it reek. <laughs> you it, you could definitely tell a difference between five seasons of pre-written script versus, okay, what are we going to write this month? Right. There just wasn't as much thought and intent. But So my next news item isn't necessary. Well, it's not really sci-fi at all. It's more of a public service announcement. Uh, so apparently on uh, Twitter, there's been a video floating around of uh, Grover, who apparently drops the F-bomb. And I'm here to say, I listened to this several times. I did it uh, probably, you know, five, ten times listening to this yeah. clip. He does not say, he does not drop an F-bomb, people. He says, <laughs> that sounds like an excellent idea. I'm not exactly sure where people got the the... Where they're hearing that fucking sounds like a an excellent idea, but no, it's not. That sounds like an excellent <laughs> idea, not that's a fucking excellent idea or something. Whatever they're saying. He did not drop the F-bomb. Uh, stop listening to things underwater um, or get better better headphones is, is all I can say. Right. Okay. I hadn't heard any of that. Oh, you should look it up. It's it's absolutely stupid. I don't know where people are getting that that uh, that sounds like is uh, that's a fucking so. Oh, Mandela effect. Right. Um, my last news item of the week is Seth MacFarlane uh, talks Orville season two, which comes out on December thirty first. Yay! Uh, there's a uh, news article over on Sci-Fi Wire where he's discussing episode, or I'm sorry, season two. Uh, they have an extended budget, so the um, so the effects are going to be even better than they were in season one. Um, and they also gave them a little more time uh, allotted, um, so they're they're kind of doing the commercials a little differently than than normal. So they have about I think five to seven minutes more showtime than they they normally have. Oh, fun. So they're able to uh, kind of flesh out some of their episodes a little more. I need I to catch watching. up on the last few episodes before you should. it they're, they're good. They're good. I remember watching a few of the old shows I, I enjoyed in the 70s, and 
looking at the time, you know, on YouTube or whatever, Netflix, and I'm looking at the, the, the time at the bottom, I'm like, what do you mean? And, you know, it's like 76 minutes? Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, apparently there was, the you know, the back in the day, they just wrote the darn thing until it was done. Yeah. Then they found a way to put in commercials to, I guess, make it an hour and a half or so. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Now everything's got to be condensed down to, what, a half-hour show would be, what, 17 minutes? 22. <laughs> 22. Yeah. All right, well, I say we get to it. Let's do it. So uh, you watched the you watched the movie. I did. Now it was everything was... I remembered and more. <laughs> when it was, was more? When was the last time you had seen this? Uh, living in the Great Pumpkin. So that would put it. It was in the 21st century. I want to say 2003, 2004. Okay, so it hasn't been that long ago. It's been about with, the with, same with amount my, of time. Yeah, with my toddler child. Yeah, that's about. The well, same I guess time. he wouldn't have been a toddler at that time. He, mm, yeah, but two thousand four. Yeah, he still would have been four or five years old. He still would have been Just around. Ready toddler, for kindergarten. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and I was mainly watching, as I recall, I was mainly enjoying him watching the show. Because he'd been watching, you know, and even at that age, he was like, you know, it didn't look as pretty. (laughs) Right, right. It looks different. And he's like, oh, wow, look at Megatron. Oh, wow, look at Optimus. In fact, I believe that was the year I got him his first honest-to-God real Transformer, and it was Optimus Prime. And he was so angry at that toy because it was so complicated, he could not transform it. Optimus Prime his, was a, a, one of the more complex Transformer toys that you could get. I mean, he'd still play with him, but he just, boy, he wished he could have just twisted that thing three or four times like a Rubik's Cube and have it be a truck. Right, right. So I think it was about the same time was the last time that I saw this, and it was watching it with my kids. And neither one of them remember it, so it, it had to have been around that same time. They were just too mm. young to really recall because I asked them about it before I watched it again and what their yeah what their um you know memories of the show were and what they thought and they were like I don't remember <laughs> of course they probably don't remember what they ate two days ago so it's not it's not out of the question that they could have seen it a lot a lot more recently. In their defense I'd have to sit and think two days ago. <laughs> I could tell you yesterday. But yes two days? I think whenever I saw it with them the last time i was definitely looking at it through nostalgia glasses and not kind of a critical critical. eye uh yeah this this movie does not hold up well (laughs) i love no it doesn't i love how you called it a commercial (laughs) yes i mean that is exactly the entire series was nothing but a toy commercial so it was this and gi joe and Mm. um he-man so yeah. all of those all those eighties uh, cartoons that we watched, you know, before and after school, they were all just nothing but toy commercials. Yeah. They, the 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 toys came out, and then they released those shows to promote those toys. And the toys is where they made all of their money. It wasn't the advertising on the shows. Well, I can see that. 
I mean, I, I I had plenty of Transformers. I didn't have anywhere near all of them, but I had plenty of Transformers. I probably had more He-Man uh, figures than anything else, and I had a lot of GI Joe. But there were so I didn't many have Joe. any of that. I remember my the the last action figure that was ever gifted to me. My father was uh, to him they were just all dolls. Of course, and he hated the fact that his son wanted dolls. And, of course, I wasn't living with him. I was living with mom. I had the old divorce thing going on. And I remember there was a, it was a birthday, and it was either the second year. I, I want to say it was like the second year that He-Man was out. And I remember thinking how out of touch my dad was with me because he got me, I don't know, there's like five or six of these action figures, you know, He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Cringer, but it was ba- he was in Battle Cat form. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the female characters, of course. Well, I think there were only like what two. There was Tila and the Sorceress. I think there was a She-Ra too. Well, yeah, She-Ra was a different show though, and it came out a couple years after He-Man. Yeah, but anyway, I remember I was like, uh, oh hell, I don't know. I was I was well into junior high, approaching high school. Right. Yeah. So you were a little bit older. For- I'm I'm a bit older than you, not much, but I'm a bit older, and so I was actually focusing more on estrogen at that point. Yeah. Than I was, you know. Now, granted, in the in the dark, secluded sanctum sanctorum of my room, I might Even- get He-Man out, <laughs> have a battle, you know, right. door shut, keep everything on the down low. What are you but talking for about? The you most do that now. Uh, there are collectible miniatures, and I'm examining them for detail. Uh huh. <laughs> you're strategizing. What would happen if these things were real, right? Oh, yeah. hell oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know it's I It's all tactical. Am. It's all just, you know, practicing yeah. your strategy. Yeah. You know this, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't. I mean, I would watch them after school when I'd come home, but it was more just because it was better than, you know, what, what, what was on TV at that time. It was either that, uh, Jerry Springer. Oh God! Wasn't really into Jerry Springer. Donahue. Uh, there were a couple of uh, soap Soaps. operas that were still on. Yep. The Edge of Night, yep. I think, was still that active. Was still then. on. Um, yeah, I know Days of Our Lives wasn't on. That was a lunchtime soap opera that I had to endure. Days of Our Lives also came just, on too early. It was like a yeah, yeah. Like but see, name. I still had to endure that soap opera because my mother had the video cassette recorder. <laughs> and she would set the timer up. Never could get it to stop flashing twelve um, to to well by herself. So I made the mistake of showing her I knew how to do that. And so the timer was established. And so every night, whenever we were sitting down to whatever grease laden, cheesy thing that she would prepare for my lactose intolerance, that was, she just said it was a nervous stomach. Just eat your dinner. Here, have some milk with this. Mm. Oh, God. I could do an entire <laughs> series of different episodes of, of on this podcast just regarding my, my adolescence and trying to find my own self-identity, meeting girls, and having explosive diarrhea, uncontrolled flatulence. Yeah, it was a real winner <laughs> in high school for me. But, um, yeah, we would watch that. And I remember a few times I uh, 
would try and record something and God forbid you get a hold of the wrong tape that she hadn't labeled correctly because then you'd find out or she would not find out, you know, who whatever character was doing what to whom. But yeah, the the early mid eighties, interesting time. Well that'll learn you time. to be helpful. Oh well, yeah, no good deed, man. No good deed. But you know, I mean there were parts of the show I got a kick out of. I thought it was neat that Spike had a kid. Right, yeah. I mean, this took place 20 years after... Uh, I remember thinking how awesome season. it was that Eric Idle was in the film. I know. And it was it was I, funny because whenever the opening credits were coming up, I was like, wow, Eric Idle got top billing? Well, no, mm-hmm. he just... His name came up first al- alphabetically for all the A-list actors that got billed in the credits in the beginning. Yeah. But you can definitely tell, though. I mean, they they did their best. I mean, Leonard Nimoy playing uh, Galvatron. I, I his well, intonation, yeah, everything was great. And Orson, you can feel the emotion. I I believed what the character was saying. Um, Orson <laughs> Welles. I I don't even have to say anything. It's Orson Welles. Orson Welles the only was issue, actually really excited to do this show. Um, yeah. The, the only thing I didn't like about Orson Welles was his final death scream. I thought that was pretty pathetic. Oh, yeah. And they played it over and over again. Every time that they showed that light shooting out of uh, Unicron, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they would they would kind of play that and subdued in the background as, as kind of a, a, a scream. But, I mean, Orson Welles was pretty old at this time, and he wasn't in the best of shape. In fact, he died five days after uh, the final recording for his lines on this show. Wow. So he wasn't, uh, yeah, he wasn't in the best of shape. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, his his voice is iconic, and the fact that, you know, he, uh, he really respected uh, animation and was was excited to do the part, mm-hmm. uh, I think really showed through on, on the voice acting that he did. Oh, yeah. I mean, the talent was there. You had your regular stable of voice actors. Robert Stack. When was the last time you heard his voice? Oh, well, actually, that would have been when I caught a couple of clips of Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the last time I heard his voice and was then, on a rerun don't forget, of there was Mysteries. That, yeah, I was going to say Unsolved Mysteries. I mean, I kept Oh, it was awesome. But yeah, um, Airplane and Unsolved Mysteries was, was uh, in, in a couple of old black and white films where he played, uh, I remember one he played a, a, a private eye and the other one he played a, a regular cop. I want to say I saw him in a couple of war movies too. Right. But yeah, um, no, the uh, was it just me or did Robert Stack's voice sound a bit higher and faster? No, I thought it track? sounded pretty accurate. It seemed like maybe they sped it up a little bit. But anyway, at first I thought it was the ver- the recording I was watching, and then everybody else sounded fine, just like I remembered. I did think it was amazing how some of these uh, I would I I caught myself dredging up from my cerebral cortex scenes that were about to happen, and the fact that I could remember them <laughs> was just amazing yeah. to me that that would still be away in the old Rolodex. But in general, I think this movie holds up, especially if you're in the preteen to kid set. You could pop this in on a DVD, and pretty much any group of, say, 
three to ten year olds. Well, maybe not ten. Three to three to eight year olds, I think, would be fine with this. I think if you understand the series from a historical perspective, if you actually watch the original series and are looking for kind of a nostalgia fix, I think this movie holds up. Yeah. I think if uh, you're a current consumer of uh, animated uh, features um, for the modern day, I don't think this movie holds up at all. First of all, it's got absolutely no backstory to catch you up as to what in the hell is going on. Um, right. All you all you get is that it's 20 years in the future because it's 2005. But even then, you don't understand that it's 20 years in the future because they didn't mention 1986. Mm-hmm. And so, if if you didn't if you didn't watch the original series, you you really have no idea what in the hell's going on. You don't know who the Decepticons are. They don't really introduce them. They're just these robots all of a sudden that are are attacking shit. Uh, you kind of glean it through the 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 uh, the movie as it goes on, but then uh, you don't know really. I mean, who the Autobots are. Um, you kind of figure that out as the movie goes on, and then you see the the Decepticon and the Autobot decals on the robots, so you can kind of parse that out. But then there's all the other bots. There's like the junk bots that that show up. Well, are they good guys or the bad guys? They start attacking them, but then they switch over. What the hell's up with that? Um, well, they knew the greeting. Oh yes, that that greeting is is everything. So I liked how they set that up. That was kind of cool. I think encapsulated within the movie it the movie in itself is good but you you lose a lot not knowing the outside story of the movie. right i don't think the i don't think the movie holds up on its own but i think if uh if you have some knowledge of the previous transformers series i think the movie holds up okay yeah i'm just saying if you just want you you know you got your your, your niece or your nephew over your grandkids because we are approaching those ages um, and you were to pop this in, just the fact that it's a cartoon and it's got laser pew-pew going on in it, I think it would be enough to get the kids interested to where if you did happen to have access to the original series, they'd probably watch. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I also was was did not realize until I saw the credits that Hot Rod was Judd Nelson. Yes, Judd Nelson. He was hot in this era. I mean, he was. this was the height of his Brat Pack uh, powers. So yeah, to get him. And I think he was probably the, the weakest voice acting out of the entire movie. Um, but yeah, to get him on this movie, I think was a, was a big draw at the time, a big draw for a movie that didn't make its money back. Did it not? No, it had like a $6 million budget and made like 5.8 million in the box office. And that's international. Of course, I've heard that a lot of movie theaters or um, um, movie studios consider a movie a fail if it doesn't make a certain percentage above. So, like, even if it did make, say, you make the movie for six and the movie pulls in ten, they're still going to say that thing's not a winner. Yeah, because they also consider marketing costs. Marketing costs typically aren't um, included in the production costs. So, and they don't ever reveal exactly how much money they spent in marketing. So that's kind of a, kind of a guesstimate on, you know, if the movie made back all of its uh, money, including production and marketing. 
Um, and movie movie studios have a, a a little tricky way of doing their accounting to show that a movie actually didn't make any money when it really just raked in the money because anybody that gets uh, gross uh, gross profits off of that movie uh, doesn't get paid if the movie doesn't make any money. Ah. Uh, or net profit. All net about profits. The it's net profits. So you want gross, you don't want net. Yeah. So and there's there's been some producers out there that, that have had the net profit uh, clause in their contracts and didn't get paid as much up front because they were looking at net profits on the back end and then they're suing studios to open the books to see why this movie that was highly successful and critically acclaimed just didn't make any money according to the studio. So, right. Um, so what was your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part. That's, uh, that's kind of difficult to say. So when I was a kid, I remember going to the theater to watch this movie and I remember hearing Spike say, oh, shit, and, <laughs> and just being absolutely in shock because Spike can't see Somebody's going to get a timeout. Yeah. Well, actually, back in our day, somebody's going to get their ass beat. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was probably the most memorable part for me as a kid. Uh, my favorite part as a kid would have probably been the fight between Optimus Prime and Megatron until Optimus Prime had his ha ass handed to him. Um, because that yeah. was that was the fight that we were always looking forward to, was the ultimate fight between Optimus Prime and Megatron. Who would win? And it turned out to be kind of a draw, and then Optimus Prime dies. And I remember being crushed as a kid. That Optimus Oh, yeah, Prime I couldn't died. believe that they let Optimus die. I know, that was... That was Heartbreaking to me as a kid. I, I and I Hot say Rod I was such a poor too. replacement. For oh yeah, Optimus. I hated Hot Rod. I hated Hot Rod. I hated Rodimus Prime when the new and as soon as he and out, as soon as he got the, the 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 Matrix of Leadership or whatever the hell that thing is, they they turned him into a truck. Yeah, they turned him into a fucking RV. I was like, what the hell is this bullshit? At least he was a cool car to begin he's with. Gotta, he's got he's got to have something he can twerk. Yeah, and now he's got this big ass fucking trailer behind him or the <laughs> camper and what the i hated hated a, a rodimus prime in the new series and the new series i, I want to say had like something like 46 episodes or or some enormous episodes and the the third season was all about the future so you got stuck with rodimus prime and rc and and uh oh what was the helicopter's name i can't even remember I hated all the new characters. I loved the old characters, and they they switched to that. And then, well, they killed off a few of the old characters in this. Yeah, movie. they did, um, which also broke my heart because I liked Iron Ironhide, and uh, yeah, he wasn't. I think Peter Cullen just wanted to retire because he did the <laughs> he voice for Ironhide and Optimus. He did, yeah, um, or he was demanding too much money, and they said, ah, no, but. At the end of like the third or fourth season, I remember being a kid and Transformers was that show that if I, I had like a mile hike um, from the bus stop after school uh, when the bus dropped me off to my house. Couldn't do that today. That's child in danger. Oh, yeah. Um, so if I, if I ran to my house, depending on when the bus dropped me off, 
I could just make the beginning of Transformers. Um, if there was any inclement weather or if the bus was running late or whatever, I was screwed. I didn't get, didn't get to right. watch Transformers. But I remember at like the end of the third or the fourth season, I can probably look this up, they brought back Optimus Prime. They did, yes. I watched the first of the two-part series where they brought back Optimus Prime. I missed the next episode, and the fucking affiliate that ran Transformers never played the next episode ever again. <laughs> I have never seen the part two to Optimus Prime Returns, and it has pissed me off. It's it's made me the person I am today. <laughs> Right. Okay. That explains a few things. <laughs> the the affiliate that used to play the Transformers would play them in order and then they would rotate them out. Uh, they'd play yeah. episode one and then you'd go through, you know, a hundred or something episodes and then uh, they'd, they'd rotate them out again. And so Be I... Be kind, rewind. Yeah, I watched all that shit again. For like a half a year or almost a year, however long it was, until we rotated back around. They played part mm -hmm. one. I played I no one part it's coming. one. No one it's is gonna coming. It's going to be there. It's going to be Got there. home the next day to watch part two. see it. And it was episode one of the first season. Yeah. Oh, I was hot. I went through the same thing with Babylon 5 because they, they played this... Uh, Street game, find the find the P under the cup, whatever, trying to figure out which network was going to carry the show <laughs> and when they were going to air it. You know, I'm sitting there channel surfing every hour on all the different networks to try and find it. Is it on TNT? No, it's on it's on CBS. No, it's on Fox. No, it's oh jeez. Yeah, yeah, that poor show. God, they bounced. And it was a great so show. It, it was. was a great show. It was a great show if you could find it. Uh huh. No, that's that's too funny. Yeah, I remember that a few times. But I do kind of made you wonder yeah. what they were thinking. Yeah, I do remember watching this in the theater. I thought it looked absolutely gorgeous in the theater um, because they. What do you think now? I think how how gorgeous is it? I think it looks a lot better than it did on the television show, just because they they put a lot more detail into it. There's shading. Uh, there's highlights. Um, the, the colors are more vibrant. It doesn't look as flat. Uh, uh -huh. the animation is a little smoother, but you can, you can definitely tell that the frame rate isn't up to kind of modern animation standards. Sure. Um, but it, it did look better than, than it did on TV. Uh, the frame rates were even better than they were on TV. Uh, it was the same production company that did both the TV series and the movie, uh, Toei Animation, I think, is is what it's called. Um, uh huh. And they were doing both the TV series and the movie at the same time. Oh, that's cool. So I think there was, uh, I think they had a, a staff of like a hundred people, and uh, yeah, they were they were doing both the. Both the series uh, episodes and the movie at the same time. The 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 movie had a budget of about six million dollars. Uh, that's let's see. Wikipedia holder of all knowledge says that was six times greater <laughs> than the budget used to create ninety minutes of the regular cartoon series. So six million is six times greater than four of the regular cartoon series. So each cartoon episode was about $250,000. Jeez. 
chump change. Yeah, chump change. So imagine that. $250,000 per episode. They created, you know, well over 100 episodes. And they had to sell enough toys and advertising to cover all that and make a nice little profit. And they did. They did. They sold a fuck ton of these toys. What did you think of the animation and movie in general? Oh, I definitely thought that it was lacking. It wasn't nearly as good as I remember. Yeah, I definitely But I still think it's superior to Courage the Cowardly Dog. (laughs) How so? And Kids Next Door and uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Why? Because even though the animation isn't as smooth, there's more detail to the characters. Okay, so you like the style better. Yeah, I liked I like being able you know to to see the detail instead of just something that looks like somebody whipped out on a napkin at a Burger King in less than sixty <laughs> seconds. I mean, even Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck to draw them takes more time for a single cell to draw one of those characters than it does Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls. Well, but I mean, and I just don't like that style of animation. So back when this was made, they were they were still using hand drawn cells and cameras to make the animation. Everything as now, well they should. End of episode. Thank you very much, America. <laughs> Everything now is done digitally. I mean, I don't know of a studio that that does anything like that anymore. That still does cell shading or uh, still does uh, hand drawn cells. Long. And, and cameras. Yeah, it just takes too long. Yeah, so it's, I mean, you can you can have some really nice and complex animation digitally as well. Uh, it's just a it's, a, it's a much faster workflow because everything's digital. Um, and it, in my opinion, it looks Faster's cleaner. Faster's better. Because, Faster's better. Well, Don't worry about that chicken that you smoked all morning to enjoy this afternoon. You should have just got some friggin' nuggets. <laughs> That's what you should have got. Saying, faster's I'm better. I'm not saying faster's better, but uh, I think the animation styles nowadays are a lot cleaner uh, just for the fact that you're not having to trace over and move an arm by like an eighth or a quarter of an inch uh, for one frame of uh, animation over and over and over again. So if you notice on some of the old animation, uh, on some of the not quite as good studios uh the the animation doesn't flow quite as well uh because the the characters aren't the characters aren't seamless uh from frame to frame uh they they kind of there there's slight differences in that transition yeah um disney was real meticulous but even I was gonna say Disney and Warner Brothers did great in Disney and Warner Brothers were were really meticulous on on keeping uh, character uh, size consistency consistent from frame to frame. But even then, on some of the the older animation from like the the forties and fifties on Disney, you can, you can tell um, it doesn't. Well, I preferred Warner Brothers over Disney, hands down. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, see, I was the opposite. I I thought the animation on on Disney films and cartoons was was better than the than the Warner Brothers animation. I can probably count on one hand the number of Disney films that you know back when I was a child that I watched. I think just wasn't really into Disney. 
I think the first movie I ever watched was a re-release of Snow White in theaters. Yeah, I've never seen Snow White. Yeah, I think... uh, In fact, I think the earliest Disney film I ever watched from beginning to end that was animated, 100% animated, would be The Little Mermaid. Oh, wow. And I watched that because the young lady I was dating at the time was huge on the show. Yeah, I got in trouble once taking a date to uh, a Disney animated film. Yeah, I'm sure you were doing things other than eating popcorn in the. In no, the actually, that was the problem. I was more interested in the film, and uh, whoops, she, uh, you got in trouble with the date. Well. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, how funny! That does not sound like you at all. Well, but kudos. Was, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were a gentleman. Animation. Fa- well, it wasn't because I was a gentleman. It was uh, I was a huge animation fan, and uh, Aladdin had just released, and it was one of the first movies that that. Uh, used. Did Aladdin come out before? Because I've seen that several times. Uh, no. But that's mainly because of Robin Williams, though. No, uh, Little Mermaid came out several years before Aladdin. Okay. But Aladdin was yeah, one I remember, of the I'm, first movies that integrated uh, computer graphics effects with the uh, regular uh, hand-drawn cell animation. And, and I think the earliest Disney movie I ever saw was Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But it's it's a live action. Oh, and then of course there's Mary Poppins. Well, and there's also the rotoscope movies like uh, The Hobbit, where they they had live action actors and then they just drew over it. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed those. Fire and Ice is one of my faves. Oh, I did not like those at all. They just did not look good. Um, I like the Hobbit movies. I thought those were neat. To this day, that's what I think an orc should look like. I did not. What what old Bilbo Baggins called goblins. Yeah, I just, I did not like that. Those big pig neck looking things with the jagged teeth. The only thing I've seen that in in, uh, recent times that I think could even compare to that and say, okay, I'll push that orc away and go with the new orc is the Urukai. I like the... The from the new movies, the Urukai. Yeah, those did look half pretty human, good. The half orcs. Yeah. Those did look. Those guys good. are they're pretty neat. But uh, so, yeah, uh, so you know, back to the movie. What about so? What about your favorite character in this show? So my favorite character in this show, of course, is Optimus um, until he dies. Um, yeah. And then after that, I don't know that I have a favorite character. Again, like I my said, my favorite character. Oh, and also, did you notice that Bumblebee could speak? Well, yeah, Bumblebee could always speak in the series. Yes. It's something weird with the TV or the movies. Yeah, so let's um, not discuss the Michael Bay abominations of the Transformers <laughs> because, yeah, that's this this movie, for all of its flaws and its agedness and everything, is still far superior to all the Michael Bay movies all wrapped up together. But who would win in a fight? Would it be the classic Autobots? And Decepticons or the GoBots? <laughs> I hated the GoBots. They were gosh, like, I hated GoBots. Such like, an easy, oh, cheesy man. knockoff. Yeah, they were not good. I did not like GoBots. I think I think I got a birthday gift 
of a GoBot one time from a family member who didn't know the difference between a transformer. Right, it's a and, robot, it's a toy. And, oh, man, it was hard to be great. I was just, oh, I hate this because, you know, I was Dude, a kid. look, somebody that's going to get blown up the 4th of July. Yeah, and, oh, man, I just, mm. yeah, GoBots were well, not Well, my good. favorite character in this movie was Optimus until he died. Right. And then right after that, it was the first time I'd ever seen the Quintessons. Okay. I liked the Quintessons. The, I liked the design of the Quintessons, yes. Yeah. I thought that was pretty neat. I thought that was pretty neat. So I liked the updated designs on, on the Decepticons. I thought those were really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely looked a lot uh, more modern. Now, Not quite as 1950s. <laughs> right. Now, when the, you know, the third season came out and Galvatron returned... I did not like the voice actor for Galvatron in the series. It was not Leonard Nimoy. The voice didn't sound as as good, and I was not into it. I was not into yeah. the Transformers after season two in the movie. Well, and when you're a kid and you're growing up watching, you know, animation in general, you get to where it's like back in the old days of the internet. I always knew when I was getting a good connection, <laughs> right? Just from the dial tone. Yep. Like, I mean, every once in a while, I'd get an odd, an odd pitch, and all of a sudden, I'm scorching fast. Like, oh wow, I can never go to sleep today. I've got to enjoy this <laughs> yes. connection. I'm never hanging up, <laughs> right? But um, yeah, I mean, you knew who the voice actors were. Ah, you've changed the voice actor. It's not the same. Oh yeah, it's not the same. You know, you might as well give Spock round ears and, and a pot belly. I'm sorry, that's just not Spock. You know, you're not fooling me. That's James doing in a blue tunic. I'm not mm. buying it. But uh, yeah, I mean, so it's it's important to have consistency. It is. Uh, I think people demand that quite a bit. You know, uh, there's uh, like I heard that the that there's a pretty good chance that the Kelvin timeline's pretty well dead now that Chris Pine and uh, Thor aren't going to be in oh, the next good. movie. I hate the Kelvin uh, timeline. I'm I'm not a fan of it. I'm really not. I think it would have been fun to visit and then merge it back through some movie or episode. But uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of the Kelvin timeline yeah. either. Especially how the ships it seems like the further back in prequels we go, the more modern the ships become. <laughs> yeah, I don't like them update or I don't mind them updating the the interior of the ship. That's okay to me, but. I don't like the fact that the Kelvin timeline is basically just action movies in a Star Trek setting. It's not a, they're not yeah, Star Trek movies. Yeah. I mean, a Star Trek movie, you don't have, I mean, there's a lot of character development. There's a lot of plot. Uh huh. And so that when, when you do have the action, I think it's more appreciated. Right. The action follows the plot, not the plot follows the action. Exactly. So. Exactly. But, um, no, I, I enjoyed the Quintessons. I still, to this day, don't understand how innocent is a death sentence. <laughs> that was I the rewatched joke. that. That was, um, well, I, I understand. I got that, but I'm trying to think of the higher meaning. I'm still not getting it. Yeah. The scaling was all over the place in this movie, especially whenever it oh, comes yeah. to Unicron. Um, oh, yeah, he went from being big enough to just put... Uni uh, or uh, uh, Cybertron in that hole in his 
helm. Right. To now he's just big enough to embrace a quarter of the planet. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a lot. Yeah. So the scaling was all over the place on that because, yeah, he, he, he swallowed Galvatron and Galvatron was, you know, about half a mo- mouthful. And then all of a sudden, the entire ships were like small and, and not full mouthfuls. It was, it was a little odd. Um, yeah. Especially whenever they were inside Unicron. Um, that was, that was really weird. Although it was kind of cool to see the insides of Unicron and and see some analogs of of his immune system and digestive. I was going to say the immune system. It had kind of a fantastic journey, yeah, feel to it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, Which, if that's not on the list, we should put that on the list. Fantastic journey or fantastic voyage. Fantastic, fantastic voyage. voyage. I think it might be on the list. Let me check. Where they shrink down the submarine and go into the diplomat's eye. Or they go into the diplomat through a syringe, and they come out through the eye. The the the, the film that Inner Space was based right, off of. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember part of that movie that really grossed me out was the fat cells. That was so nasty. It is not on the list. We'll put that on the list. I'm right, looking forward to when we do uh, the Andromeda Syndrome. The Andromeda Strain or Andromeda Strain? Yeah, the original. Yeah, I'm yeah, that was good. The the remake is pretty good too, but the original is good. Um, I'd be good with either one, to be honest. Yeah. Overall, I I enjoyed the movie. It was it was a nice nostalgia kick. Yeah, I didn't um, I didn't feel like I was having to pause it and find something else to do and go back right, to it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not something I'm gonna watch a whole lot in the. It's future, nothing I but... plan on owning. <laughs> well, I own it. So, um, who has your Black Lung Award? The Black Lung Award is going to go to Jazz. Jazz, all right. Because uh, in the in the first attack, um, when they uh, abscond the Autobot shuttle on its way to uh, Autobot City, uh huh, he jumps up in that little white Porsche outfit of his, and he gets totally fried. And they do a nice close up of his face and all the smoke coming out. Yeah. Now, I. I which so there were two Porsche cars, and I could have swore that Jazz survived. Well, it was the white Porsche. Yeah, I Jazz that is was the Jazz. white Porsche. Yeah, voiced by Scatman Crothers, but you see him in Unicron at the end. You don't hear him; he doesn't say anything. But he, he's I think in they Unicron just stuck the him end. in there. I, that's what I was. That's why I'm saying he's 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 dead. He died early in the movie. And see, that's what I thought too. I'm going to have to go back and that's watch. That's just inconsistency. Now. Yeah, he died I think early so. in the movie. Here, let me do a a little research, research on, on the, the fly. fly. Zip thud. Let's see. So yeah, according to Wikipedia, holder of all knowledge, um, Jazz was assigned to Moonbase One along with Cliff Jumper. Uh, he was responsible for monitoring Decepticon activity. See, that's another thing that blows my mind. Somebody took time out of their life to put that into the holder of all knowledge. Right. I would not. I, there's other things. I got socks to arrange. I'm glad somebody's done it to settle arguments at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, but still. So it says Jazz and Cliff John. He was on, he was on Moon Base 1, so he was on the first moon that Unicron uh, ate. He, he, didn't, he wasn't on the shuttle that they... I'm looking at the frame right now. I think they put them in two different places. They may have. 
Yeah, because according to this, he was on Moonbase 1, which was the first moon that, that Unicron ate. Because um, he and, and Cliffjumper attempted to escape. However, the shuttle could not achieve escape velocity and was swallowed. And then during the assault on Unicron led by Hot Rod and Ultra Magnus, um, they encountered a smelting pit inside where uh, everybody was being melted. Jazz, Cliffjumper, Bumblebee, and Spike were about to be cast into the pit, and Dan Daniel managed to rescue them. So that was Jazz. And Jazz was voiced by Scatman Crothers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that until until doing research for this. So Yeah, the first movie I remember seeing him in was The Shining. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was him, huh? He was the one that could he, he could talk to that little yeah. boy. Yeah, he had The Shine. Nice. All right, so uh, my Black Lung Award is going to go to Optimus Prime because he was literally smoking from around his lung area. Right. Yeah, in the beginning with the with the battle, he got that that rock thrown into. I mean, he's taking laser blasts <laughs> into oh, yeah. him off his chest, and Megatron throws a rock and spears him. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, yeah, he was he was smoking from that wound, so he's got my black lung now. My head lush award is going to go to Cup because that dude sounded like he was always drunk. <laughs> Think so? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was always sauced, just Think constantly so? sauced. He was the he was the grizzled old war veteran that's just constantly sneaking yeah. sips out of his flask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. All right. Now, so if we had a meth that. award, it would go to Blur. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Or Wheelie. I could see Wheelie as... as yeah. Well. Yeah. Want to try some helium? <laughs> <laughs> Who's got your player? Oh, the player award? Uh, God, I didn't even think about the player award on this one, to be honest. I, I guess I'm going to give it, it to Spike because he's got a kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. You never, you never know who the kid comes from, but yeah, Spike somehow had a kid. So he Spike's did. had sex. He has. Or Somebody he got adopted. spiked. Maybe adopted. Somebody got spiked. Oh, God. <laughs> so my player award's going to go to RC because you know, Hot Rod in the beginning, whenever he was, uh, they were they were fleeing and and heading towards the shuttles. He, uh, he said something about uh, needing to protect R.C. and then, you know, got himself blasted and R.C. had to protect him. So that was kind of a nice little flirty right. role reversal. All right. All right. Now, who's got your purple hippo? Oh, Starscream. Starscream? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Galvatron took him on a tour. Yeah. At Coronation Day. He did. I mean, that just wasn't just a little bit him. of dead. That was a lot of dead. <laughs> that was all kinds of dead. And then, was... and then just the fact that he saw, you know, Galvatron recognized what was going on and then just, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Starscream's got my purple hippo. So my purple hippo is going to go to Unicron. Really? Yeah, because uh, he ate some shit that did not agree with him. <laughs> He ate some shit that didn't agree with him so much they poked out both of his eyes, fucked up. Yeah, the those things are pretty system. fragile. Yeah, I know. 
he's got some well i mean he had entire ships just you know crash into it right yeah but i'm sure he's gone through some planetoids and whatnot and well I, yeah but probably in his planetoid form we we didn't see him go through anything in his robot form until cybertron there might have been a reason for that probably because his eyes France, are real fucking he's all weak. fragile yeah or no that'd be italian fragile so yeah unicron's getting my purple hippo all right all right so i think it's time to pick the new movie all right we have a few more titles on the uh, on the list. We're back up to 110 titles, so you need to pick a number between 1 and 110. I think we should pick number 82. Now that Rob's not here, I'll pick a real stinker. <laughs> he was oh. good at picking movies. Well, on this one, if we can find it, it's uh, basically an anthology series about insightful science fiction tales. Uh, the original run went from 1963 to 1965. It had a revival from 1995 to 2002. What's Twilight it's, Zone? No, it's The Outer Limits. Ah. Tell you what we'll do. We'll pick three episodes apiece that look good to us, and we'll talk about the Outer Limits, both the old and the new series, next week. Sound good? Sounds fine. All right. That's all we got for this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack Mix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. I'm Jason. I'm Red. And we'll talk to you next week. Let's roll out. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>